video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you Hello, watch my name is Justin DeClure. I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast. We go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs that arrive at Bay Street Video. <laughs> Every single one of them, which this week is not a lot. Not that much. Why, Mark? What did you do? Why isn't there uh, that many? You know what? I'm going to be honest. We're missing a lot of product right now. You know, we're in we're in strange times and there's a lot of mail delivery holdups and just like studio delays with stuff. So <laughs> holdups like train holdups. It's like, give me all your Blu-rays and DVDs. They've been carried away by some bandits somewhere so uh <laughs> they're watching all those kino releases right right so yeah there are actually a lot more titles that were supposed to be out this week both from kino and from some other companies and we're still waiting on them so i feel like one week coming up we're gonna have like a massive episode yeah this our... one may be the shortest ever unless me and mark talk about a movie that we both watch that's not on any physical media at the end of this episode Ooh, stay tuned to find out what I that think is we could i think we could <laughs> so starting right at the top speaking of discussing movies we have Dark Intruder, the 1965 TV pilot turned theatrical film starring our man, Canada's own, Leslie Nielsen. And it's this week's Blind Buy! <laughs> yeah, and you know, I was uh, I was pretty excited to dive into this. I always like uh, checking out some of Leslie's uh, earlier earlier roles when he was a young, handsome man, uh, dapper young man, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was this was an interesting one. I mean, I like you, I guess, grew up with Leslie Nielsen. He was like the funniest, along with like maybe Jim Carrey. He was like the funniest guy that was like. who had ever existed for me when i was a kid isn't it amazing to learn that like he actually liked being funny yeah you know like when you hear about him like behind the scenes like he always had his fart machine he's always trying to make people laugh he wasn't someone that was like oh i guess i'm the funny guy now he's like no no i love this fully embraced it and even so much so like the amount of like crappy comedy work he did even after like he just like (laughs) threw himself into like head and shoulders like it went Maybe go down a rabbit hole of like, oh, all the bad, like, Leslie Nielsen comedies I watched when I was a kid. 2001, A Space Travesty and Stan Helsing. Which I promptly ordered off of Amazon because I need to rewatch it. But, um, <laughs> you need to rewatch it? You've already seen it? 2001, A Space Travesty was like a huge joke around my household when I was growing up. My, <laughs> my dad thought it was the funniest title he'd ever ever heard he would just he would just randomly reference it every once in a while here and there wow spy terrible film but you know i just as a kid i couldn't get enough of leslie nielsen like every single vhs that would show up with his face on it at the video and store. It, his face was on all of them that was like his face was on a lot of them yeah <laughs> repossessed this has to be funny right you know i've actually never seen that one somebody ordered that into the store maybe a month or two ago and i'm like you know what i gotta watch this so dark intruder like Mark mentioned, was from the uh, straight leading man Leslie Nielsen period. And this one is interesting because it was actually produced by Alfred Hitchcock's production company as the second big project after Psycho because they wanted this to be a TV series that could, pe- that could compete with the monster shows like Outer yeah, Limits. And you can definitely tell the TV pilot origins from it. Although they expanded it greatly, right? Into, uh, into a theatrical Yeah, feature. they did. I believe they shot a whole bunch more because it ended up uh, screening theatrically on a double bill with William Castle's I Know What You Did. You know what? This TV pilot, I haven't checked it out uh, until now because I remember reading some middling reviews, but it has all my favorite things. A snarky supernatural detective, Leslie Nielsen, <laughs> and weird Lovecraftian references. If you ever wanted to see Leslie Nielsen say Dagon or Eldritch Gods, well, you can see it in this uh, um, movie. Yeah, and you know what? Like, we talk about him being a straight man in this, but he's actually quite funny in this, you know, in that, like, like you said, that, like, snarky sort of... Uh, like that bourgeois detective kind of way. Yeah, well, the thing about Leslie Nielsen is he doesn't have that much range as a performer. No. I think that, like, as just, like, a snarky leading man, like uh, like a debonair playboy like he plays in this movie, I think that's, like, the perfect role for him if he's not kind of parodying and playing it straight in the Naked Gun series. And I think it's actually a shame that there couldn't have been a series from this because, like, what would another episode have been? Well, that's the thing. If I, I would have loved to see a series with him just as this... This, like 
you know, paranormal detective uh, tackling different cases. That just seems like a winner all around. Um, but I guess audiences weren't too fond. Of, oh, I guess studios or TV stations weren't. It was the TV. Yeah, stations, I think it was right? a studio. And you got to think like this is 1960-ish and there's not really anything like this. And I got to say, even though it was a TV production, I think this is surprisingly stylish. Like it's dark. It's choked with fog. Uh, this Blu-ray release from Kino is the first time the 35 millimeter uh, negative has ever been scanned. And every other version before this was taken from a 16 millimeter print that they had made for television. So it has never really looked like this. And while I did mention Lovecraft, this is essentially like a Jack the Ripper uh, story with a, a man in a Neanderthal mask at the end yeah, of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very good. You know, I didn't realize this was actually, I didn't realize anything about this movie going into it. So I didn't realize it was a period piece at first uh, taking place in like late 1800s San Francisco because I, I like that setting and it just like, it made his look and his like dapper outfits that much more charming appreciated in this pilot that like it didn't like try to talk down to the audience like they throw out a lot of mumbo jumbo and i love that kind of stuff like he mentions in passing that he's the seventh son of a seventh son and that's actually like a classic supernatural kind of warlock thing that the seventh son of a seventh son is always like the all-powerful kind of supernatural person this is also jumped in the middle like he's been doing this for a long time uh solving these supernatural mysteries and like the case that he's taking on I was worried that uh, Lizzie Nielsen would be like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. But he figures it out within like 10 minutes and he's just like following what's going on. It is, but he kind of plays it off like a laugh, though, which I thought was kind of funny. You know, it does have that typical sort of like end of a TV episode kind of thing. like eh, With well. his uh, little person, um, Butler. Oh, <laughs> the little people jokes. I was going to, yeah, I was going to mention that at some point. Ah, he <laughs> was cursed by a witch doctor and he grows one inch. Yeah, when his female friend comes into at the beginning, they're like cracking jokes about his his little person butler and i think she says something like every time i see him it seems like he loses a few inches <laughs> oh, i love that leslie nielsen's introduction he's hung over he's like please don't talk so loud i'm hung over <laughs> perfect way to introduce a character ladies and gentlemen and even the monster attacks i thought were pretty intense with like the, the monster claw hand just slashing away at leslie nielsen giving him an opportunity to take his shirt off and show us his pecs. oh totally you know i think they could have even expanded this more and made it because it's only like it only runs an hour even with with this expansion. I feel like the budget, like the production value there is there. The vibe is there to kind of expand this even to like an hour and a half feature. But, you know, I guess we'll take what we can yeah, get. Yeah, I'll take an hour over uh, something that's stretched out to 90 minutes. Yeah, true. You don't want to get too boring either. <laughs> but uh, So if people are interested in this concept, I would definitely recommend this release because it, it delivers. It's not like, ah, this is kind of boring and it doesn't really do anything. No, it does everything that you would want. I would say even a little bit better than you would expect, knowing it's a TV production. And Leslie Nielsen has a ball in it. He even gets to wear like costumes uh, throughout the movie and do disguises. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, his costumes are great. Yeah, Leslie Nielsen has a ball with this role and it's just so it's just so fun to see him really in like a different era than you're mm -hmm. used to seeing him. All right, so uh, moving on. Wait, would you give that a blind by recommendation, Mark? I would, I would because uh, yeah, and there's some extras on this, right? There's a commentary, I believe. Yep, I listened to the commentary um, track and there's an interview with uh, one of the guys that did the special effects Yeah, the so movie. that's pretty cool because I know it's only been available on like a mod kind of release from universal in the past um so yeah this is kind of like for cult fan and i feel like this probably struck a chord with people of a certain generation who maybe grew up and saw this at the time uh, this is a really cool release this is something like a nice discovery to check out we also have the norseman being released by scorpion kino and this one is uh interesting because it's a movie directed by the guy who did the town that dreaded sundown charles b pierce and it stars uh lee majors cornell wilde and mel ferrer uh, there was kind of like viking fever going on in the late 70s i don't know why but uh this is one of them and i've never seen it but i'm very curious as to what the end result would look like i feel probably fairly impoverished probably not that great yeah it hasn't been moving that much i feel like there's been a ton of these kind of viking releases being put out by like scorpion and code red and everything over the last several months that they all just kind of blur together to me at this point like i looked at this and then i looked at the cover of like the barbarians and the cover of something else they all kind of have like a similar sort of artwork vibe so we also have the great alligator river being released by code red kino i really love this movie it is a alligator ripoff from sergio martino the guy who made 2019 after the fall of new york a favorite of mine and this one is great it's about like uh there's like a new tourist destination spot that's opening 
on like sacred land that has a giant alligator that lives on it. And oh man, that alligator murders so many people. And it's a mixture of like <laughs> giant so uh, fake alligator puppet in the water and little tiny alligator like action figure in the water uh, bumping up against cars. It is super <laughs> violent. So many people die in it. And it's just a blast. It's got that like high energy feel that a lot of Martino films have in their prime. Would recommend. Actually, you know what? I'm giving it a really high recommendation. And I recall I watched it a few months ago and I was like, not as fun as I remember it being, but it's still fun. It's still fun. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Are you going to pick up this release? <laughs> and I paid the big bucks for uh, the original Scorpion release that came out uh, with the slipcase because I thought it was never going to come out again. But, you know, they've made a deal. Code Red Scorpion with Kino and Kino's pumping out all of those old releases that originally were just Ronin Flicks so hopefully exclusives. they do more because there's a lot of those Ronin Flicks ones that people want. Money, money, money. Yeah, they better. Where's that, where's that Clifford release on our show? Oh, yeah. When that Clifford release has no special features, which is very sad. Oh, know, considering that, like, when Brendan, our pal, did his screening at the Royal Cinema of Clifford, he got the director to do an introduction. So the director is willing right? to talk about it. <laughs> Who is Joe, uh, what's his name? Is it Joe Flaherty's brother? Right? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, so moving on the classic section we got another release of do the right thing <laughs> yeah this is a strange so do the right thing is finally available in ultra hd as if anybody was really clamoring oh, yeah. people for, have been yeah. begging for especially it especially after the beautiful criterion release they put out like what a year and a half ago maybe not even two years ago yeah less like, than that. if you bought that <laughs> yeah. release even if you have an ultra hd player i don't really know what the appeal would be to buying this i mean it does come with all the special features that were on the previous, uh, like, 20th anniversary Blu-ray that Universal put out. And that was which a was pretty, pretty good stacked. special yeah, edition as well. Yeah, stuff on there. It looks good. I mean, it's, it's a good release if you don't have any release of this movie, but... If you're a fan of this movie, you definitely already have the Criterion release. Did you probably. see Arrow uh, announced it like, listen, we need money. We're doing Donnie Darko again this time in UHD. I saw that. <laughs> Another release. I feel like they've put it out because they had the big box when it first came out. And then they did like a steel book version of it. And then like a slimmed down regular one. Now they're putting out a 4K and a big box again. Like they can't get enough of it. You know what? Kelly. I don't want to insult them too much because... They need money. The Blu-ray market is much smaller than it used to be. So if this gives them permission to release stuff like The Deeper They Dig or Jesus Shows You the Way to the Highway, sure. Release Donnie Darko again. Yeah. And you know what? Their UHDs are selling like crazy. So who am I? I feel like the Donnie Darko UHD is going to fly off our shelves. So who am I to so judge? So this is a reference to something that I cut out of last week's podcast. But I made a joke and me and Mark talked for a couple of minutes. I'm like, has there not been an Evil Dead 4K UHD release? And Mark's like, I don't think so. There there has definitely been like 30 of them already. Has there really? I guess we've just never. <laughs> yeah. I know when UHD first like became a thing, we weren't really bringing in releases because we just didn't have any. That's probably when it came out. Yeah. So there are some of the early Ultra HD releases we just don't have. But I, yeah, we like while I was in. editing the episode, this is a peek behind the curtain. And I was like, there's no way there hasn't been one. And I checked and there's like 30. It's like Germany, couple in America. I mean, Evil Dead is the endlessly released uh, movie. Like, they cannot stop making copies yeah, of it. I'm sure they'll re-release it again as another 4K, like, special edition. Oh, so, oh definitely. Yeah. No doubt. But you're right. As soon as I said that, I was like, eh, I'm probably wrong on that. There must be something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I was shocked that, because, like, usually I, you know, uh, say that and if you're like oh no no Justin there's been tons of versions but I guess nobody's ordered it from yeah Mystery. that's the thing we I've never actually seen it with my own eyes so nobody's ordered it we never brought it in because it must have been yeah the early days of Ultra HD I'm sure if we had it here it would sell over the years but um, yeah as far as I know I don't think we've had it unless I'm just blank you know what maybe I'm just blanking and we do have it on the shelf but I'm just so like you've seen so many versions of the Evil Dead that you're like Ugh. watch this I'm gonna go in and I'm probably gonna see it right on the shelf I'm like yeah it's been here the whole time it's been here the Mark, whole time did you see that um vinegar syndrome released the movie action usa and then I like did. two months later mvd is releasing the same disc i saw your uh, you express your disapproval for that over twitter a not, little bit not, okay as an what's MVD, weird it's not disapproval a... <laughs> because i don't want stuff to be like just disappear 
Like, that's not cool. Like, if a movie can be available, I'd rather it just be available oh, for totally. people. And Action USA is, I, I bought the Vinegar Syndrome edition as well, and it is a great time. So I would lo- definitely like to see more people able to experience it. I just feel it's a little odd that Vinegar Syndrome was like, gotta buy it, it's going out of print, because they were really pushing it hard on Twitter. And then MVD's like, hey, we're releasing it too, for cheaper, and with more extra special well, features. Well, it's only one more, right? Didn't, didn't they... Yeah, one more extra special feature. But it will be cheaper. It will be cheaper, for sure. I think I forked out uh, probably close to like 40, 45 bucks all said and done after shipping and everything for the Vinegar Syndrome release, which is beautiful and I'm glad to have it on my shelf. But uh, Oh, it's a great release. Yeah, I might have just waited for the MVD one if I had known it was going to come out later. But I think what's interesting here is that this is going to make people go, wait a minute, is another company going to release this movie down the line like Rad, like Mill Creek is putting yeah, it out? Yeah, we're getting the Mill Creek version in soon. So especially with these Vinegar Syndrome exclusives, it makes me think like, yeah, they must just have a deal to I mean, you probably know more about this, but they must have a deal just to release, like, just to release it once briefly, and then it, like, the rights go to somebody I mean, I else. don't have the paperwork in front of me, but yeah, that makes sense. That's probably what it is, right? So, because I so don't So just see... people be aware of that, I would say, when they're, like, being like, I need to get this. And I guess, and I don't assume MVD's edition is going to go out of print anytime soon, since all their stuff is, like, readily available, even, you know, I don't think any of their at Rewind Oh, I think I also uh, showed frustration because I do own every MVD Rewind release, and I'm like, oh, this is a MVD. Yeah, you slot the Vinegar Syndrome one in with your MVDs now, just like... <laughs> uh, actually, the Vinegar Syndrome is an archive release. Wait, is it an archive release? It is, yeah, it's a VSL. And I have all of those except for Vice Academy, which, eh, that movie's terrible, and that awful Donald Pleasance one, which was the second release that they did, Evil Town, so bad. <laughs> well, yeah, people love those. Right. And uh, I've got an update for you, actually. I just looked up in our system here at the store, and we, in fact, do carry an Evil Dead Ultra HD, and we, <laughs> and we have sold 10 copies of them over the years, so clearly... Wow, do you just, like, black out when somebody brings it to the yeah, counter? Yeah, now I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, I remember exactly what this release is, I know exactly what it looks like, and I just completely blacked out, because that's what Evil Dead does to you, because looking through our system, we have about 100 releases of it over the years on dvd blu-ray ultra hd so so moving on kino's putting out a man called adam and this is a classic uh well nope not a class wait let me just start this is a movie uh directed by len penn and starring sammy davis jr and there's a bunch of sammy davis jr movies this week adam johnson a guilt-ridden jazz trumpeteer blames himself for a car accident that killed his family Mark, what do you have to say about this movie? <laughs> I've never actually heard about this one uh, before we got it in here. I don't think it's actually ever been released on disc before, so this is a first-time one. Uh, definitely been selling fairly well, though, so people know about it. Uh, it's cool. It just looks cool. looks like a cool like jazz movie that plays off of his persona, and uh, I'm intrigued, but that's all I got. So that's we also have The Kiss Before the Mirror, a film directed by Mr. Frankenstein himself, James Whale. This is an early... A mystery film from 1933 starring Nancy Carroll and Frank Morgan. Uh, it's a pre-code mystery, and boy, people love those pre-code mysteries. They do. Uh, yeah, this one will do well for the us. The plot is when a famous doctor kills his adulterous wife, he is defended by his best friend, an attorney, who suspects that his own wife is having an affair. Ooh, Ooh 69 minutes. I like that. Nice and short. Yeah, love those run times. <laughs> but yeah, this is going to sell. I'm, I have a feeling it's probably only ever been on like crappy looking discs. And finally, it's getting remastered by Kino. You know the song, uh, you know the drill. Yeah, with these ones, it seems like this is all part of their Universal deal. And a lot of these, if not all these, were put out by Universal on their vault, like MOD line before. So, which were always really expensive and were just DVDRs with nothing on them. So, this is a nice upgrade. And what's this? Another Sammy Davis Jr. movie. Well, technically, it's Anna Lucasta, a 1958 drama starring him and Eartha Kitt. The film revolves around Anna, a reformed prostitute, whose family plans to marry her off to a wealthy man in order to fleece him. However, Anna foils their plans when she falls in love with him. Oh, so I guess she gets the rich guy and the person that they're planning to fleece. So everybody wins. <laughs> yeah, looks All like right, it. Complete your Sammy Davis Jr. collection now. There you go, right? Sammy Davis week in uh, the Kino office. We also have, listen, you classic film fan, you don't want these, but you're going to fork over the dough anyway. It's Laurel O'Hardy early solo, solo films. Oh, yeah, this is a pricey one. I mean, as per... 
all of Flickr Alley's sets. Every Flickr Alley disc, yeah. Eighty-five dollars set, I want to say. Eighty-five uh, dollars. How many movies are there? I think there's a lot of stuff on here. Uh, it definitely, like they look, they pl- pack their releases, so they're definitely you're getting a lot for that price point. But at the same time, there's a lot of other companies that pack their releases that don't charge $85. We made a joke earlier on that Flickr Alley is only for like boomers who can afford them anyway. So it's funny though, because every one of their releases that comes in, we sell a bunch and there are people pre-ordering them and everything. So, and it's like, I think the same customers. So they clearly know the price point and they're totally fine with it. So yeah, they're like, listen, we destroyed anyone younger than us having any opportunity for a future because we need to spend our dollars on Laurel and Hardy movies. That's totally what it is. Uh, but this is nice. I mean, I'm, again, not really that well-versed in Laurel and Hardy, so you can shame me all you want for that. But uh, this is pretty uh, much uh, anticipated by, from Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, fans. this is like uh, all new 2K restorations of like, it looks like 50 films, uh, each starring Laurel and or Hardy, but not together, never together. That's right. It's Laurel or oh. Hardy. I get it now. Get it. All right. <laughs> so we move out of the uh, cl- classic section into the new stuff. No, 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 no. Mark, take us away. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. So first off, big movie, Let Him Go with uh, Kevin Costner, who I don't care for, and Diane Lane. <laughs> um, this is You have <laughs> shared your dislike for Kevin Costner in the past. Um, I hear this movie's really good, though. Have you seen this? This is supposed to be one of no, the... No, I have not. I'm not going to watch it. Is it about someone with like Alzheimer or something like that? And they no, have actually, to... this is kind of like a Western. I'm surprised you haven't seen this because this is like kind of a Western tinged revenge thriller with him and Diane Lane as a couple who I believe their son gets kidnapped. Uh, or I something. think I already have a movie with Kevin Costner who that he wants revenge, and it's called Revenge, directed by Tony okay, Scott. Okay, <laughs> well, fine. You know, I guess he can only get revenge once in his career, but uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, but people are loving this movie. Now we want revenge against those liberals who are making the world the worst place. Yeah, Kevin Costner's just like a, a dad to me. Just a just a boring dad to me. Uh, but we've, we've talked about Kevin Costner a lot in the past. I don't know. People like this movie. Maybe it'll get some awards attention. Who knows? Who knows? I don't really follow that stuff. But next up, uh, we got the SpongeBob movie. This is more my speed. Sponge on the Run. Although I haven't seen this one. I don't know. Did people like this? Are people still liking the SpongeBob? Did you grow up with SpongeBob? Because we're the same age. And I never, I never watched SpongeBob on television. You know, I never grew up with it either. I got into SpongeBob actually as a teenager when I discovered marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> marijuana? The, I think I like to call it by its legal name, the Devil's Lettuce. The Devil's Lettuce, yeah. When I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so when I discovered the Devil's Lettuce, then SpongeBob was very appealing to me. Um, but yeah, no, I actually didn't really get into SpongeBob until I was a teenager. Uh, a but... teenager? So you're like 12 and you're like smoking well, up? Well, 12 is not being a teenager, isn't it? Doesn't teenagers start at through? No, I was okay, my later teens. Let's say that. So uh, I mean, I got to say, though, like I love the SpongeBob movie, like the, the first, first theatrical one? film. Yeah, I saw that in the theaters when it came out. Oh, man. me. Yeah, I love that movie. I remember seeing it with a bunch of friends on like open night and it was just like so I love good. you giant <laughs> peanut man or ice cream man my eyes I love it Spongebob Spongebob hung over from an ice cream bender Mr. Krabs with like the five o'clock shadow so funny that, that movie is really amazing is. And, and the show is amazing too like at least I mean I don't keep isn't up isn't it with crazy it anything, that but... the, fil- the show has been trucking they're still making new episodes to this day I haven't seen anything new from Spongebob in a while so I, I can't really comment on that. But initially, like, Spongebob slapped so hard and it's just so funny. It's just so funny. Well, I so. hear that, like, any of the super fans, they basically say that when Steven Hillenburg leaves the show, which was after the first film, which is technically after the first season, the show... It, you know, it could be funny, but it was never really the same. Yeah, no, that seems to make sense. So... I don't know if there's a new movie. Yeah, this movie is also uh, in CG. Boo. Yeah, right. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's kind of lame. So, I don't know. I mean, people really liked the last SpongeBob movie, which I also didn't, I didn't see, like it. actually. So, oh, you didn't like that one? All right. Well, they're still trucking with these SpongeBob movies. So, here's another one. 
Moving on, we got Snowpiercer season one. Um, so Snowpiercer, the movie, was turned into a TV show with Jennifer Well, Connelly. I don't want a Snowpiercer TV show. <laughs> yeah, I don't really need a Snowpiercer TV show, but um, I guess people kind of like this. I don't know. I really love the movie. I really do. But I feel like the movie the movie just kind of totally said everything they had to say. It's just a perfect movie. I don't need like a sequel to it. I don't need like an expanded universe or anything, but I don't know. I guess the train have... is longer. Oh, okay, I guess. The train is longer, yeah. <laughs> is it a new train? train is it the same train i don't know i actually have no idea what what angle how could take. they have an ending that's better than what's in the movie like you got to blow up everything and start again that's the that's ending it. it was perfect the movie was just perfect and probably is one of my besides like memories of murder probably my favorite bong joon ho movie actually but um, yeah yeah we know you're a parasite contrarian moving on no, parasite's <laughs> fine it's fine moving on we got some all right we got some horror stuff here from speaking Shutter. of bong joon bong joon who we have Host, wait a minute, this isn't the host. <laughs> the horror sense, the Zoom horror sensation from last year, I guess one of the first pandemic era movies, if you want to call it that. Host, the uh, yeah, Zoom seance webcam terror show that honestly didn't really do much for me. Yeah. <laughs> did you, did you watch this? I would have thought this would have been right up your alley, but then I realized, oh, it's too popular. Mark's not going to like this. <laughs> yeah, I actually only watched this. I, I didn't see it when it first came out and everybody was talking about it. Uh, I saw it recently because, yeah, again, it's pretty short. It's only an hour long, um, so I can definitely handle that runtime. I don't know. This kind of thing, I just feel like has been done before a lot in, like, anything from Paranormal Activity to Unfriended to, like, any kind of, like webcam tech found footage type movie over the last decade or so um it was okay i mean it had a few scares here and there that i thought were interesting but... does it end with everybody dying all right well spoiler alert it does everybody dies in this but you it's know a what found footage film they all end that way it sucks and man they all deserve... the problem with this too is the characters are maybe i'm just getting old but the characters are so annoying and they just like totally bring it on themselves the first thing they're told during the seance is don't disrespect the seance and then the first thing they do is disrespect the seance so it's like y'all have it coming the problem i had with this though is like i like these kind of movies where the terror kind of lurks in the background and doesn't just like jump out or it's obvious but they kind of like have little things that might be just like off or strange that's what i want to see from a movie like this and they don't utilize that at all you've got all these people on webcams with so much like space behind them where you could like do kind of interesting creepy things and they don't do any of it it's made all the scares are just from like they hear a noise and then they like walk with their laptop somewhere and like oh something might jump out it's just like they don't even use like the framing or the yeah the mise-en-scene if you will well and it's like if you're not going to do that what's the point of even making this movie so it does feel like something that was just kind of like tossed off in like a week or two so I don't know, but people really dig this, I well, guess. hot take from a movie that everybody loves, except for Mark. I know. Are you surprised? Are you surprised? <laughs> You're not. Next up, also from Shudder and RLJE, Spiral, which I hear is interesting. Um, I mean, on the front cover. I gotta play the noise. There are a ton of movies called Spiral. Not only is there like a ton of movies called Spiral, there's another Spiral, the Saw reboot, coming out soon. Oh my god. There is, yeah. And there was another, there was a spiral horror movie from, I want to say like 15 years ago or so uh, with, uh, what's his name? Joel David Moore, I think. Yeah, it was directed by Adam Green. Not that great either. Uh, yeah, not that good now. This one I hear is better. It's about a, a same-sex couple who moved to a small town to enjoy better quality of life and sinister stuff's going on. There's a quote on the front of it, though, from some critic that's hilarious. It's just like, get out meets hereditary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Those are two popular films. <laughs> the two most obvious big horror movies you could choose lately. Um, but I hear some good things about it. It stars uh, Jeffrey Bauer Chapman, who I liked a lot on the uh, TV show Unreal when that was on. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen this one, so I can't say. Uh, moving on, though. We've got uh, more stuff for Shudder. Horror Noir, A History of Black Horror, which was uh, a pretty huge acclaimed documentary. I still haven't gotten around to it, but I'm glad this is finally coming out. I know it started been around for a while now i feel like it premiered theatrically like two or three years ago and then it's kind of slowly been making its way to disc since then uh but this is obviously an absolute like a primer for the history of black horror which is definitely not talked about enough so next up uh keep into documentaries we've got the last blockbuster which is you guessed it another documentary about video stores and their the decline oh is it about the hilarious twitter account uh, no, i wish i mean i didn't actually well i kind of threw this one on the store just get a taste of it it's 
You're like, I live it. I don't need to watch a documentary well, you know about what? it. That's exactly how I feel about this. There has been so many documentaries about video stores over the last decade. I think the first one I saw was Rewind This, which was pretty good. Pretty good overview of the video store scene. But then since then, like every other one, it's just they just keep making these things ad nauseum because people are like interested in video stores again. But like. I don't, like, what else is there to say at this point, you know? Yeah, this one kind of takes off from, like, the idea of that last blockbuster, which I guess was in Alaska or something. Um, but I believe, yeah, Vice already did, like, some half-hour segment on this, like, a year or two ago. So even that's not really, like, news. Uh, but most of this, yeah, most of this is just interviews with all the kind of people you'd expect to be interviewed for this. Like, Kevin Smith is there. And oh my god, I was going to say Kevin Smith. Lloyd Kaufman talks about trauma for a bunch. Uh, oh, you know who actually also pops up in this? Our friend, Mr. Adam Brody is here too. <laughs> oh, Adam Brody? Okay. For a second I thought it was Adrian Brody, and I was like, what is Adrian no, Brody doing oh, in this? I wish. Imagine Adrian Brody was being interviewed for this. <laughs> From his, like, castle that he lives in in Italy. But um, anyway, The Last Blockbuster, yeah, another documentary about video stores. So there you go. But it's been put together in a nice, like, Blu-ray DVD combo set from uh, Pop Cinema. So I don't know. If you haven't seen any of these kind of movies, I guess it's a good place to start. You never got a copy of that uh, documentary, The Last Drive-In, did you? About the Mahoning Drive-In? We actually did not. Uh, I think that is available. We just didn't get any inquiries from it. I think it was like an MOD thing that we couldn't return. And we just kind of, I think I just passed on it at the time and nobody really asked about it. But yeah, again, they've done so many of these kind of movies that, I don't know, was that was Well, that I hear The Last Drive-In is good. Much more interesting than The Last Video Store. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, maybe check that one out. Ask us about that. Mark, you're not doing your job. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I failed All right, what's the next movie? We've got The Legend of Baron Toa, which uh, you're a fan of, right? Yep, I've seen. This is essentially a New Zealand version of Walking Tall, where, you know, a guy comes back to the hometown where he grew up, or specifically in this one, it's like a cul-de-sac. Is that how you say it? How Cul-de-sac? Cul-de-sac. There you go. Yeah, I think so. And uh, there's like a drug operation that's running out of it, and all the people that he left behind. And this guy, obviously, he knows how to fight because his dad was a wrestler. So he knows wrestling moves and stuff like that. And he decides to take back, you know, set a little bit of justice going on. It is super fun. The person that stars in it is the guy that is uh, playing Young Rock in the new TV show, Young Rock, in his oldest form. So obviously he's got that, um, you know, thousand watt smile going on. It's from a new filmmaker. Super fun. New Zealand. Uh, I will not be picking up this Blu-ray, though, because it's a Gravitas Ventures release. I know. I thought you might mention that. So there are, yeah, no extras on this. I mean, Gravitas, they, they get the rights to a lot of films to put, like, a lot of cool films to put out, and they just do nothing with them. Moving on, we got, uh, yeah, we got Sky Sharks from Cape Light, which is exactly the kind of movie you think it is, um, and it also finds a way to shoehorn in Nazis. So. Do you remember when this movie had, like, a Kickstarter that, like, like was oh, all over the is place. This the one? Uh, yeah, when it was coming out, I felt like I'd heard about this before, but then I feel like there's so many movies like this that I just kind of It's supposedly not very good. Yeah, it looks kind of dumb and it's again, you know, about Nazis that create They always I feel like they always shoehorn Nazis into these movies, you know. Oh my god, this is like 5 years too late. <laughs> I feel like I've seen this movie before. So, anyway, I don't know if you're really into sharks. I mean, I'm really into sharks and even I don't really care about this. So. Uh, moving on, we got some more trash coming out of Russia. Again, every week we got a Russian movie on this list. Uh, so the very generically titled Survival Games, although in Russia it's called Mafia. Uh, this is uh, should be right up my alley because it's another reality show you know, Running Man-esque type thing, I think. But I love those kind of things. Uh, I looked up the director. It is from a director named Sarek Andrisian, who does a lot of Russian stuff. Uh, but he did make an American movie uh, several years ago called American Heist with Adrian Brody, who we were just talking about, and, Hay <laughs> and Hayden Christensen, which uh, was a terrible, terrible, terrible film. So um, I'll probably not be checking this out. But uh, moving on to other international cinema that is better uh citizens of the world is coming out it's an italian film from the director of uh mid-august lunch uh which was a really really big film uh, at least for our crowd uh you know 10 years ago or so he makes really kind of light frothy italian comedies so this is his newest one and then we've got elise which is uh, starring anthony drama starring anthony hopkins and directed by his wife stella hopkins who and i think it's her first film drama the kind of 
old person drama that you would probably expect. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say. Soon we'll be watching those movies another five years and we'll be like, where's your Judy Dench movie? So if you're waiting for uh, The Father to come out, which is the big movie that he's getting nominated in all these for all the awards for this year, uh, watch Elise first and, you know, wet your palate. Uh, and then next we've got Wild Mountain Time, which is a new romantic drama with John Hamm and Emily Blunt, Jamie Dornan, and Snooze. I don't know. This is sounds kind of boring. Christopher Walken oh, as Christopher well, Walken doing this? an Irish yeah, accent. I mean, it's got a lot of press. It's from John Patrick Shanley, who is a big uh, writer-director guy who made joe versus the volcano i believe it's that guy right yeah i think so wait is I think it so i think that's john patrick shanley oh, the guy who wrote moonstruck and oh you're right he did direct this is the first film he's directed since doubt right yeah he, he's more known for writing than directing but yeah his three directorial credits are this doubt and joe versus the volcano so. that's an eclectic selection I hear this one sucks. Yeah, this movie got middling reviews, so... Yeah, moving on. Moving on to other things with middling reviews, we've got Love, Weddings, and Other Disasters, which seems like a similar type movie. It's a rom-com with jeremy irons and i don't know who else is in this maggie grace and is diane keaton in this i feel like diane keaton's in this diane keaton is in this yeah uh it a is a certain uh, audience is already breaking the windows to get to I this know, movie i know <laughs> uh, it's a multi-story romantic comedy because we haven't had any of those uh from I'm sure you're a fan of this director, Dennis Dugan. Oh, the Duke! <laughs> the Dukes, <laughs> who is probably best known for his collaborations with Mr. Adam Sandler, including the recent, you know, more recent ones like Jack and Jill and Grown Ups and Grown Ups 2. So. You don't mess with the Zoan. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. And he did direct, I should say, Happy Gilmore. Probably the best um, Adam One Sandler joint. One of the best joint. Adam Yeah, he goes way back with Adam Sandler doing that and Big Daddy. He also did Beverly Hills Ninja, which I, I kind of find funny. Did he fall out of the Sandler kind of orbit after Grown Ups 2? Yeah, because he hasn't directed a movie at all since Grown Ups 2. So, and that was like yeah, 2013. Yeah, and like Adam Sandler's been doing a million Netflix films, but he hasn't done yeah, any of happened? them. what happened? He couldn't bring his friend the Duke onto that, uh, that Netflix deal? <laughs> Instead, Frank Karachi has been doing them all. The guy who did uh, The Waterboy and Around the World in 80 Days and Click. I didn't realize that Dennis Dugan was an actor, actually, first, before he was a director. He was like a TV actor in the 70s, actually. Interesting. He needed to learn his craft before he could get behind the camera. Dennis Dugan starred in a show. He starred in a series called Richie Brockelman, yeah, Private Eye. Yeah, I'm just looking at it right now. It's got images of him from that. So, yeah, I guess he made the transition to directing at a certain point, hooked up with Adam Sandler, and uh, the rest is history. And now he's making a multi-character rom-com. With, where directors go to die. Okay. Where directors go to die, like Gary Marshall, R.I.P. Let's yeah. finish speaking of going to die. Best <laughs> for last. It is Willis Watch. We're back on Willis Watch this week with. That's <laughs> the police yeah, coming to get. And this was initially going to be our blind buy potentially, and then I thought it was just so terrible that Justin definitely wouldn't want to watch this. But you did, and I'm I glad watched you it did. anyway. A, you know, a little different than the action stuff he's been putting out, but not really. But it, it just takes place in space. Okay, so, so I have a feeling, based on his IMDb, that Bruce Willis like locked himself and is trapped in a spaceship somewhere and doesn't know how to get out because that's all the like following movies that yeah, he's doing it's like when he you know as he recently wandered into that uh drugstore in california without a mask and there's those great <laughs> but he's got that bandana around his neck but he's got the bandana around his neck and those those great photos of him just looking confused with the bandana around his neck will live in my mind forever he looks like a wax dummy everybody look up those photos they're amazing look that up if you didn't already hear about it but uh so when i was watching this that's really all i had in my mind was just the image of him like wandering onto this set just like he wandered into that drugstore and you know shouting at people just like he shouted at the store clerks there so uh that that is what breach is uh but for a quick summary it's basically what like it's like an aliens ripoff it's about a bunch of people so earth is dying and the last survivors have all been put on a ship to go to this other planet called new earth and they're all in like cryo freeze and there's this group of you know soldiers or whatever who are supposed to monitor it 
and there's an alien on the loose. That's basically all. You okay, see. yeah, there's an alien on the loose, but you only see it for like ten seconds at oh, the yeah, end of the film. Mostly, it's just like a guy who's been like taken over by an alien is like running around, blood coming out of his ears. This and has stuff. to be like, like a tax money funneling operation. There's no other reason for this to exist. Well, interestingly enough, on IMDb they credit the country of origin of this movie to Canada, so I guess we have ourselves to thank for this. You know movie. what? Did they shoot this film on the leftover sets of The Expanse? Because that would make a lot of sense. I feel like they must have, because I was looking at the cover art and even in the credits, and there didn't seem to be any, like, Canadian, like, production companies or tax credits. So I'm like, how the hell is this movie Canadian? And the fact that but, Thomas Jane shows up briefly, who is a regular on The Expanse, would make me believe that that's what happened. Yeah, that's all I think they did here, is they shot it in, like, a studio in Canada, probably the same one they did The Expanse in. So, because, yeah, if the If I had to take a guess, I the... feel like they shot it in like five days too because it looks like shit and it's all shot with shaky cameras like multi-cam setups where they just run through the scene it's full of the thing i hate the most about these kind of like cheap sci-fi movies it's just people walking around dark hallways for you know almost an hour and a half with the shittiest flamethrower you have ever seen that shoots cg flames <laughs> right um, you know, at first I was like willing to go with this a little bit. I'm like, okay, maybe there's a little bit more going on here than the typical Bruce Willis joint. Um, but then, you know, you get like 20 minutes in, half an hour in, and no, it's just the same old, same old cheap stuff you'd expect from Bruce. I mean, Bruce does look a little more engaged in this, just like he did in the last one I watched, Hard Kill, than he has in the past. Like you said, he's not sitting in a chair in this one, which is which is kind of nice. And he yells at people a lot, so he's got a little more a little more passion. But he's also like a sleepy floating hologram a lot of the time. Oh, uh, he is, yeah. Again, like even his like face on the cover of this, they are just using the same Bruce Willis headshot on <laughs> all of the these best movies. photo of Bruce Willis that they had. They really can't get any they've just settled on this one image of Bruce Willis and they're just going with that for whatever movie they make. It's directed by a guy who's done a lot of these kind of like VOD cheap sci-fi movies. So I guess this is probably the biggest one he's done so far because Bruce Willis is in it. Uh, But yeah, Thomas Jane, too. Like, I feel like Thomas Jane has been showing up so much in things we've been watching lately or things we've been talking about lately. Thomas Jane seems to be working more than like ever before. these days. But he only shows up for like a day and they shoot a bunch of seeds that they spread across the movie. That's That's true. But, you know, he seems like he's having fun. I want Thomas Jane's career. I mean, will you drink as much alcohol as he drinks? Uh, Probably not. Probably not. But I'll walk around with no shoes. I'll do that. Wait, did you watch a Thomas Jane film, Hunter's Moon? Did we talk about that one? No, I think we've talked about that because it came out. Uh, I did not watch it. I I saw the trailer on something else and it just didn't. I'm not a big werewolf guy and uh, I feel like. But yeah, he's just like in everything. You know, we watched him in like classic Thomas Jane stuff like Thursday a couple weeks ago. Um, he just pops up. He was in that Jessica Alba movie, The Veil, that I watched, you know, a couple months ago. He's... Oh, whoa. There's a new uh, Western called The Last Son that Thomas Jane will be appearing in. And this is the cast. Thomas Jane, Heather Graham, Sam Worthington, and Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> what? Wow, that sounds like a big deal right there, you know? If this movie was made 10 years ago and Sam Worthington was somehow famous for a little while, this would have been huge. Mm-hmm. All right, so yeah, Breach, terrible. Don't even watch it. Even though that it did, right in the last two minutes, make me laugh, which was a, a ridiculous ending. <laughs> yeah, the, the ending is, is ridiculous for sure. I mean, I'd kind of like tuned out somewhat by that point i was like half paying attention out of pure boredom but yeah i mean it jolted me a little bit in the yeah last, where like, it's like oh i guess minutes. the characters are just gonna die then <laughs> like, sure all right bleak i like bleak uh but this is actually a reteaming of uh, bruce willis and thomas jane too i forgot because they did a sci-fi movie like a vod sci-fi movie five years ago called vice which i never saw but looked kind of hilarious because thomas jane has like a uh, long, long wig in it, which looked pretty funny. I know, but, but now um, you're on Willis Watch. You got to watch every new Bruce Willis no, film I'm that on comes Willis out. Willis Watch, yeah, yeah. I've uh, I missed a bunch of these in like the year like 2010 to 2015 range, but now I'm I'm keeping up with them. So yeah, until next time, Bruce. This has been Willis Watch. <laughs> So that's it for uh, all the physical media releases. But seeing how we're only 45 minutes in, let's spend another five minutes recommending something that's dun-dun-dun on streaming, but it's never going to come to uh, DVD or Blu-ray anytime soon. I mean, you soon. never know. You never know. It's possible. <laughs> Stranger things Because we're talking about the classic uh, No Such Thing as a Bad Movie podcast favorite, Fight of Fury. 
How would you explain this movie, well, Mark? I threw this on the other night. Yeah, at your recommendation on your other podcast, uh, No Such Thing as a Bad Movie, which uh, said that this was one of the best movies of 2020, I think, and uh, definitely one of the best martial arts movies recently <laughs> uh, that I can think of. This is, I mean, <laughs> you probably have more of the details of this behind than me, but this is from a writer-director named Shunibi. Is it Shunibi or Sh- Shunibi? who I guess runs a martial arts dojo. In, yeah, dojo uh, in L.A. I think he teaches Jeet Kune Do, which is Bruce Lee's right, martial and arts. This, uh, opens with a dedication to Bruce Lee. So, you know, where his, uh, yeah, this is, this is something Bruce Lee would love. And this is a very, like, you know, Neil Breen-esque type martial arts movie where basically sex traffickers show up literally in his backyard and he spends the whole movie just like fighting sex traffickers in his backyard in hilarious fight scenes uh, where they're kind of like CGI'd in a weird way and the henchmen just keep coming out of the woodworks. Like these guys just keep materializing out of nowhere like it's the Matrix We're gonna goof! As one of the bad guys says, or it's time to goof. Uh, the entire thing is dubbed, interestingly enough, which which adds its own nice little level, uh, nice little flavor. Uh, hilarious dialogue in this thing. A lot of sentimentality, which I love. He's just he's just so he's so sincere in this movie. Yeah, oh, so good, so much speeches. This thing's great. Honestly, I had a lot of fun on with this. This is on Prime right now. It's like the perfect kind of like thing you want to discover on Prime. The kind of like just do it yourself made by like one guy who thinks he's like hot shit you know who thinks he's real hot shit in the martial arts scene and you can tell this is like he thinks this is going to start a franchise and i hope it starts a franchise i hope there are more movies from shouldn't him. he be the new neil breen the neil breen of martial arts movies i would say because and he ends this thing like the way this thing ends it's like it ends just as it's getting started as far as i'm concerned <laughs> You got to check it out. How did you stumble upon that? Or like, what are your... Uh, Somebody just said, I saw this funny trailer and it's on Amazon Prime, but I haven't watched the movie. And then I watched the trailer and went, well, I got to see this. So I watched it. Added it to Letterboxd myself because no one had reviewed it up to that point. There are like no reviews of this thing out there. Actually, you know what? You know what movie we can talk about? We can be on the cutting edge because who knows when it's going to come to Blu-ray. Mark saw Prisoners of the Ghostland, the new Shion Sono movie. We should talk about this. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I traveled to Sundance this year. Let's put a damper on everyone's enthusiasm, shall we? I traveled to Sundance this year um, from behind there. <laughs> I did. I, I, you know, I was finally so happy. Years of wanting to go to Sundance this year. I finally made it there. You changed your Twitter handle to like Market Sundance. <laughs> Market Sundance. Um, no, but seriously, I uh, I caught some virtual screenings because um, through Slant Magazine, which I was doing some reviews for. So. Uh, well, I did one. Well, I did one review done. of yeah, <laughs> one review. <laughs> yeah, I reviewed a film for them, which was cool. But even cooler, I got to like check out a bunch of stuff. I had access to the platform, which is cool. And obviously, this was on my must see list because I love Nicolas Cage more than life itself. And just the prospect of him teaming up with somebody like Shayan Sono was really intriguing to me. Like this is probably the Nick Cage movie I've been most excited for since it first got announced because I love both of them. And then as it got closer, you know, you were telling me some things about it. I heard (laughs) me. No, not me. (laughs) Wink. (laughs) Mark, everyone's saying this is like Mad Max Fury Road meets, I don't know, the craziest Nick Cage film. And, uh, uh, they are not correct. Yeah, are people liking this? Oh yeah, they are, they are. This is a phenomenon that happens a lot at film festivals. It's called like drinking the Kool-Aid, which is like, you know, you're in it, you're seeing something you're really excited for, and you're just like, yeah, this is good. Yeah, it's still, it's a little dirty, it's a little dirty, it's still good, it's still good. It's still good, sure, sure. Even though that the movie like is way smaller scale than you would ever think for what is supposed to be a quest movie, Nick Cage stands around a lot and doesn't really do anything. The, the writer over at Slant who actually reviewed this hated it. He was the one like, negative review i saw he gave it like a one out of four and said it was terrible uh, i wouldn't hate it uh, yeah i didn't hate it as much as he did but he did sum up a lot of what i thought was just that this movie is like trying really hard to live up to like both who nick cage is and shion sono is and like their reputations like it tries so hard that it's just almost like laughable at a certain point but i was kind of enjoying this for the first 
20 minutes, half an hour or so. I thought it... Yeah, when it's setting stuff up and you're like, oh, he's going to go on this quest. It'll be super fun. Yeah, it looks great. It's got, yeah, the production design's really cool. I like the... It had a cool sense of humor that I was kind of getting into. I like Bill Mosley's character. I thought they could do a lot with this kind of like post-apocalyptic, you know, like the East East meets West kind of vibe. But then you're right. As soon as it turns into like a Mad Max ripoff when he goes to this like... But isn't it weird that he goes on this quest and it feels like it's 10 feet away from where he starts? Yeah, he doesn't really go anywhere. And then honestly, by about like the halfway mark of this, I was just completely losing the plot and then like losing interest. I just didn't understand what the point of anything was anymore. What the point of this quest even was anymore. Nothing really funny in it happens i feel like its big moment is the spoiler alert the testicle explosion i feel like that's kind of like what the movie's like really hinging on which is like kind of funny but it happens like what 40 minutes like halfway through the movie if not earlier it's also a movie where it keeps like promising something crazy will happen you're like oh yeah and then it doesn't so by the time it does near the end of the movie you're like oh but i've already been here like 90 minutes it's too late man too late." late and the final like fight scene just really didn't do much for me at all. It kind of like builds up to, yeah, this final confrontation. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the fight scene where like Nick Cage puts on a helmet so a stuntman can take yeah, over. Yeah, I know, right? Um, I mean, I, I didn't mind Nick Cage in this. Yeah. yeah. But I needed more of that. You need to pepper that throughout the movie. You can't just do it at the end. I just really think this movie is trying way too hard, but it doesn't actually know what makes either Shion Sono or Nick Cage really that enjoyable. Like, what makes them tick? I feel like it's all just surface-level, surface-level craziness, you know? It's like when something is like, look at how crazy this is. It's like throwing in your face the whole time. But it's like, it's not that crazy. Like, I honestly prefer something like Between Worlds, the Nick Cage movie from a few, few years ago, than to this. Because maybe that definitely has lower production value, maybe, and it's a little rougher around the edges. But it is way crazier to me than this movie is. This just feels like somebody trying to copy a Shion Sono movie. And I would say that you can feel the North American producers kind of leading over Shion Sono's shoulder in this film. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. When, so when I saw it at Sundance, they do these like, you know, filmmaker intro video things before. And Shion Sono was talking about it through a translator. And, you know, he only had good things to say and thought it was really good and whatever. And that he was really overjoyed to work with Nick Cage. Unfortunately, Nick Cage was not part of this intro or anything. I don't know where he was. He's not like shitting all over this project or anything, uh, but it does feel a bit like, you know, it's not fully his vision, even though at the outset you might think it is because it's got a lot of his like hallmark sort of style in it here and there. But then when it gets to the end, it's like, I just feel like this is a budget version of what he usually does without any of like the feeling or commentary or anything. So I don't know. Very disappointed in this one. I almost hope that like Nick Cage and Shion Sono can work again and they're like, oh, just go do something else on your own. <laughs> like, I mean, this is a project that Nick Cage clearly wanted to do. And I like that. I like that Nick Cage is trying new stuff that's not 100% money based. Yeah. And I like that he wants to hook up with interesting directors, especially inter- interesting international directors. Like, I'm all for him. I hope he continues to work with more interesting names and not just do all like the VOD crap that he But I think does. that like when people go like, we want that crazy Nick Cage, that's when you're like, no, that's not how you, you get good movies or interesting movies. I know. And that's what I've always said about Nick Cage is like, I don't actually prefer movies with him where they try and throw the craziness too much in my face. Like something like Mom and Dad didn't really work for me. Um, And some of his other stuff where he's just you can tell they're like, oh, we want to make a crazy Nick Cage movie. So we're going to just think of some crazy premise and get Nick Cage to be crazy and we're going to have a hit like. I just don't like that. I much prefer when he's put in a movie which isn't necessarily like inherently crazy and then he just like does something weird with it. You know you what? Know? I am excited for Wally's Wonderland, the one where he fights animatronics only because someone told me that he doesn't speak in it. And I'm like, mm. See, that's interesting to me. Yeah. I, I feel like that one could go either way though too. I feel like it could be a little bit of what we're talking about, like, like too obvious crazy. But you know, I'm always going to give these movies a try. Yeah, we're going to watch it. Just like Willis Watch. We're always on case. Cage Watch. We're always on, I've been on Cage Watch since the day I was born, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, that's it on that negative note. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast. I'll end on a positive. I saw one really interesting movie at Sundance. 
And it kind of ties back into the webcam thing. We were talking about host. I saw a movie called We're All Going to the World's Fair, which is... Oh, yeah. People said that was really, really good. Yeah, it's kind of like a webcam horror-y thing. It's not like host no! where... <laughs> but it's not like host where it's all webcam. It is just like film like a regular movie. But it's about a young girl who t- basically takes this like online scary role-playing game thing like she gets into that um and it kind of deals with the like creepy pasta type like just like real like internet horrors it definitely engages with internet culture better than any like mainstream movie i've like ever seen has um it definitely has its flaws it's not perfect but look out for this one i know it has is produced by david lowry the guy who made a ghost story and you know a bunch of other things so i'm sure it will come out at some point but look out for this i thought it was like pretty interesting all right well i will check it out so until next week my name's justin the and I'm Mark keep on buying and keep on bruce willis films for we are cursed these movies and many more are available at your local video stay store on, stay on willis watch people. someone has to be if you're not on willis watch the world will fall the world will fall apart